Zechariah chapter 4. If you're like me, uh, you're not in Zechariah all the time, so you might have to unstick the pages a little bit. But uh, Zechariah chapter 4, I was brought back to this passage after I can remember a particular time a few years back. I uh, really dug into the minor prophets, and Zechariah was one that I can remember. Uh, there was more than one time that I was scratching my head and um, you know, trying to figure out and understand the passage in its entirety. But yet, when I, when I uh, really took the time to just learn from it, I, I can remember getting a lot out of it. And uh, um, as I was just kind of going over some notes and going over some things that I had made in the past, the Lord, uh, you know how you read a passage and you've read it once and then you go back and you read it again and it's just like it comes back alive to you like, and, and things come out that you hadn't caught before. And, uh, well, that's, that's this passage here in Zechariah chapter number four. And uh, we are going to just kind of, before we look into the verse, just kind of give you some context of what the book of Zechariah is about. Um, the people, that is the uh, children of Israel, have just been in 70 years of captivity. And uh, you, you would know that the temple itself has been destroyed up at this point in time. The uh, temple has been in the process of being started to be rebuilt. However, only the foundation has, has been built thus far. And this is the point in history we know it to be. And Ezra chapter 4 uh, and Haggai chapter 1 actually take place right during the time period of the prophecy of Zechariah. And um, uh, this, uh, both Haggai and Zechariah being prophets themselves, they speak of God's uh, plan, God's intent in judgment and uh, uh, what he intended to do in times to come uh, toward the children of Israel. And so what we see in the book of Zechariah is really a, a series of visions that are given. In fact, the chapter divisions are very, uh, do pretty good job at actually dividing them up. In, in chapter 1, uh, we, we see the first vision from verse 8 to verse 17. And uh, then in chapter 1, we also see from verse 18 to 21, the second vision. In uh, chapter 2, we see the third vision through the entire chapter. Chapter 3, we see the fourth vision. And in chapter 5, this being the, uh, the fifth and um, uh, not the last, but uh, uh, the fifth of those visions, speaking particularly of uh, what is referred to as the golden candlestick. Now, we'll talk together about the, the meaning of this. And my uh, goal tonight is not to bore you uh, with, uh, with history. Well, for some of you, you may say, I love history, but um, I, I, I sometimes if you dwell more on the history and the, the knowledge of the Word of God than the actual application of it, 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 can, it can, in the midst of the warmth and the cold outside, it can draw you to sleep. So uh, if you haven't got your nap in, shake yourself, okay, don't wait, wake yourself up. Yeah, the, there you go, brother. He's, he's sitting up, so you're ready to go. But um, uh, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse number 1 the word of God says, and the angel that talked with me came again and, and waked me as a man that is waked out of his sleep. He's speaking again of this vision, not a literal sleep, but the vision which he's had, verse 2. And said unto me, what seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. Now, uh, if, if the controller will not give me a fit tonight i want to try to uh show you tonight just for sake of illustration i have never been one who speaks well with many different slides so i just want to bring a picture up to you and kind of give you some visual because as in all of the minor prophets much of uh the the, the description that is given is speaking of prophecies and things to come and, and for me i'm a visual learner 
So you start describing things to me, and I've got to read it four or five times so I fully get it. Uh, but uh, the picture always helps to draw that together. Understand this, this vision, and as I, as I will bring you to the conclusion of explanation of this, look with me as we continue in verse number uh, 3. The Bible says, And the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. And he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace, unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall receive and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. With those seven, they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. I want you to notice with me in verse number 10, the Bible says, who hath despised the day of small things? In verse number 8, he describes uh, up until verse 10 uh, what exactly the Lord was trying to give. Look at verse 8 again. He says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of his house. His house is speaking of the temple. Zerubbabel is, is really being personified as uh, in speaking of the children of Israel. So when you read of Zerubbabel, you're speaking of the leader, but yet you're really speaking of the entire group of the children of Israel. And so the Bible tells us the hands of Zerubbabel, that is the children of Israel, they've built up to this point, they've laid only the foundation. And the word of God continues. His hands, that being uh, Zerubbabel's hands, through the power of God, shall finish it, the Bible tells us. And, and, I, and that verse 10 brings us to that question. Who hath despised the day of small things? If you're in a habit of marking your Bible, I would mark that phrase. Who hath despised the day of small things? I want you to understand that the people, the children of Israel, consider the work of God and or the work of finishing the temple to be a small and an inferior thing you might even say to be of little importance in comparison to their own schedule. You see, had it been something of importance, they would have built it. The moment they had built the foundation, they would have finished it. It wasn't that there was a lack of supplies. It wasn't that there was a lack of hands. The Bible tells us in the book of Haggai that they dwelt in their sealed houses while the house of God laid to waste. And it was God's house. It was the temple itself, the work of God that was being, uh, uh, that was being left as not being any importance. Now, some people wonder exactly why it was that the children of Israel did not finish. Uh, it, it would seem in many ways that uh, ultimately they, having known what the temple was in the past, they believed anything new would be so inferior to what was old. It, you could never recreate what always once was. That is what history, at least uh, uh, many commentators believe, is, is much the reason why. And there are other reasons that, as you would study the Word of God, you would find. But understand this, that for whatever reason it was that they had stopped building, they stopped building. And for whatever reason was they had stopped building, it was because that 
it was not of importance. Had it been of importance, they would have finished. And so we see it's the very work of God that must be continued working at. It's the very work of God that is not a small thing. Can I remind you that there is no thing that is the work of God that is ever too small or of little importance to God? Amen? In fact, the very things that we consider to be small uh, when it comes to God's work are a very big thing. There is no work of God that is ever too small, that is ever too inferior. Uh, Let me put it to you in our terms. Uh, You may just be praying uh, in front of the congregation. Uh, that, that, That may seem to be to you a small thing, but in God's eyes, it's not. You may think that being an usher in in the church is just the responsibility of the deacon or just the responsibility of so-and-so. Uh, and, and the truth of the matter is it, it, it doesn't even seem like that important of a thing uh, except for, for those people. But the truth of the matter is, according to God's word, what we may consider to be small in God's eyes, if it's his work, it's a very big thing. Where, where some people may say, uh, you know, um, looking at uh, a, a ministry and say, you know what, I, I, I'm not one that goes out and knocks on doors. Or I'm not one that goes out and works with children. I'm not one that would work in the, in the nursery. Uh, I'm not one that would get up and sing a song. I'm not one that would do those things. That's such a small thing that I could never do. But in God's eyes, it's a very big thing. The point of the fact is, anytime it's God's work, it's of great importance. May I remind you that there is never anything that is too small in your service for God. The Bible says, who hath despised the day of small things? That is speaking in this sense that we already know what God's work is. No one should have to explain to us what the work of God is. It's clearly laid out before us. In fact, if we were to put it in more descriptive terms, we could say, we know the work of God's church is laid out clearly before us. And God tells us, I will build my church, God says. He will build his church. He will bring the blessing, but it's up to us to get to the point in our lives where we say there is no too small of thing, there is no too large of thing for God, no matter the size that it is, I'm willing to be used of God to do his work. This is the very principle that is being brought out within this vision to Zechariah. And so uh, while the work may seem to be small in its size, but yet it is not small in its importance. There is no work of God that is small and important in its importance. Every work of God is important, amen? Every work of God, every hand that would be put to and toward the work of God, uh, God will bring the blessing through us So, if we do it with the right heart. Uh, you know, uh, on one side, you can, uh, I can almost uh, appreciate the children of Israel in the sense that, you know, it'd be one thing, it's one thing for them not to build, not to have built the, the temple, it's another thing that they, they didn't just forcibly build it with a wrong heart. Now, it was a wrong heart for them not to build it to begin with, but the truth of the matter is there are many Christians who can do the work of God and not do it with the right heart. Just because you do the work doesn't mean uh, that God is going to bring the blessing through that work. The Bible tells us again, who had despised the day of small things? And so as we look into this passage, God illustrates to the children of Israel are as a candlestick. They are as a candlestick. Now don't get confused with the book of Revelation, where in Revelation chapter 1, the candlesticks are being spoken of, but yet those are seven individual candlesticks. Yet it is in the chapter 4 of Zechariah that we see one candlestick, uh, uh, or one uh, candle holder, should I say, 
with many candles coming out of it. And, and this kind of giving you that illustration as we look a little further. But let me give you here and help you to understand, first of all, the intent of the candlestick. The intent of the candlestick. In verse number four, the Bible says, So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me. Here he says, What are these, my Lord? He says, I've had this vision that you've given to me. What am I seeing? In verse number two, in verse number three, he speaks of the candlestick, the bowl, the seven lamps, the seven pipes, the two olive trees. He says, what in the world does this mean? Tell me, help me to explain why is it you are trying to bring this to my attention? Won't you understand the candlestick is a, uh, is a resemblance or a picture of the children of Israel and or in our case, it is a picture of who we are to be, a light of Christ. You would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Keep your finger in Zechariah. Isaiah chapter number 60. Isaiah chapter 60. And we see yet a further description of the children of Israel being as the light or being as uh, is described here, this candlestick. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse number 1. The word of God says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. That'd be worth marking in your Bible. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Notice, and the Gentiles shall come to the, thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Turn over just another page, or maybe it's there in the, before you, Isaiah 62 in verse 1. The Bible says, for Zion's sake, will I not hold my peace? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteous thereof go forth as brightness. There it is again. And the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles, there's the Gentiles being spoken of again, shall see thy righteousness and all kings, uh, and, and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. The Bible tells us that God's intent for Israel uh, at this point in time, spoken by the prophet in Zechariah chapter 4, God's intent for Israel is that, that they would shine like a lamp to the Gentile nation. I want you to uh, keep in mind that the children of Israel uh, in the Old Testament uh, were identified as, um, as being God's people, uh, not just spiritually, but even physically. Remember, it was circumcision. That was the particular identification of God's people. But it's yet in the New Testament that the Bible tells us all those things are now past. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, we now have an identifying with Christ in a spiritual way rather than in a physical way. And so the light that we are of Christ, how we are known of Christ is not just physically, while it should be even today, when others see us physically, they should see that there's a clear difference in the way that we live our life, the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we dress, the people we spend time with, the words that we use, and on and on and on. All the outward. But there is also to be a light which is shown of Christ from the inside. And a light to, in this case, spoken of in Isaiah, to the Gentile nation. Once again, remember the racial hatred between the Gentiles and the Jews. There was no gospel outreach to the Gentiles until the New Testament. But the prophecy is being spoken of in the book of Isaiah and the book of Zechariah that the children of Israel were to be a lamp to the Gentile nation, that the Gentile nation would be brought to Christ. And, and all God's people said, 
Amen. We're thankful for that, that God has brought uh, the, the gospel to the Gentile nation and, and to all people. It is a free gift known to all. And this is what is being spoken of and being referred to here. And so we understand that just as the children of Israel were alike, so that we also are to be alike. I bring you to John chapter 1, where the Bible tells us that we are to be, um, uh, we are to be a, uh, a resemblance of the light. Or, or as, why don't you turn there with me, just so you can see it. And uh, the Bible tells us of John himself, who is not the light, but yet God is the light. But we are also to be a light, to bear witness of the light. John chapter 1, in verse number 7, the Bible says, The same came for a witness, that being John the Baptist, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. And he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. I remind you, we are to be bearing witness. As we think of that, uh, that uh, light, that bearing witness of the light, it's the same example as that of, a, uh, as of the sun and the moon. The sun, uh, or the moon rather, gets its light, projects its light from the sun. It is simply uh, uh, being a, uh, a sharing of that light. It is simply reflecting of that light, or as we use the biblical words, it's bearing witness of it. And so God says, we are that candlestick. We are to be that light to others. And, and yes, we understand the gospel, but the gospel should be having such an effect and a change in our life that we are so clearly seen within a dark world, as Isaiah 60, uh, we just read in Isaiah 62, within darkness, we are clearly seen as being a child of God. In Zechariah chapter 4, as you hopefully kept your finger there, uh, the Bible tells us that there was uh, not only of this, um, do we know of this candlestick, but the Bible tells us that there were seven lamps, seven lamps. So again, where in Revelation chapter 1, we would read of those seven churches that are resembled as the seven candlesticks. So in Zechariah chapter 4, we see but one candlestick that is described as being seven lamps. There are uh, different branches within that lamp. And uh, this is yet a picture of the unity which we have together with Christ. Uh, that oneness which we have with Christ. And so we really even see a picture of the church in many ways in Zechariah chapter 4. So as we are the light, as God is the light, we are the light to bear witness of that light. Yet we are not all to be individual lights. Amen? We are part of the family of God. Amen? Well, that is the greatest thing that unifies us. The greatest thing that we have in common is the gospel, is the light of Christ. And so we as a one God's church, we are that as that candlestick, we are that light for Christ, and we are shining as branches. That's why the church is, as God structured the church, is not that uh, we would become so independent that, uh, you know, God lays upon a man like Pastor Hoisinger to come and start a church. Hey, it should be the desire of Community Bible Church that God would so allow branches of this church to start other churches so we are not becoming a separate entity but it is a a furthering of god's ministry and i know we've had men uh that have been through here that have served as associate pastors and that sort of thing and and are now out in the mission field are now serving in other churches and that's the very idea it is now an outgrowth of it is now a still part of the family of god but it's not that we are being independent of one another amen we're all still part of God's family. We're all still serving the same Lord. 
We're all still seeking to accomplish the same goal. Somebody says, well, they sing that song a little bit differently. Well, that's okay. It doesn't make them not a child of God. Uh, the Bible tells us those who are children of God are those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That there's been a time in their life where they acknowledge before God that they have sinned. That they've, they've acknowledged before God that they need the Savior. And then becoming a child of God, now they are being that light. So we see this picture. This picture of the candlestick is represented as the children of Israel and or us. And we see the many of them that are all yet still one is a picture of the very family of God. So we see God's intent of the candlestick is that we would shine, that we would be in unity together, that we would be sharing the love and the gospel of Christ with others. And uh, again, that um, particular reference which is being made by the prophet in Zechariah chapter 4 is as the, uh, the, in the Old Testament, there was an identification of the children of Israel in a physical way. So now we see there is a yet further identification of God's people in a spiritual way. Because now God was going to allow the gospel itself to reach not just the people of Israel, but also the, the Gentile nation. So I bring you then to the second point, the strength of the candlestick. We've seen the intent of the candlestick, but yet the strength of the candlestick. In Zechariah chapter 4, in verse number 6, the Bible says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Remember, Zerubbabel is speaking of the children of Israel, being exemplified as them, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by, what are those next two words? My spirit. Here he's making a specific reference to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not until Acts chapter 2 that we see the day of Pentecost taking place and the power uh, of God coming upon uh, believers and so uh, we understand that the work of God is not to be despised Zechariah chapter 4 verse number 10 it's not to be despised because there is no work of God that is ever too small the Bible tells us in the midst of this that our strength to accomplish the work of God is done through not by our might not by our power but through the Holy Spirit verse 6 of Zechariah chapter 4 and so the Bible tells us again, as, as I made reference to you already, uh, God says, I will build my church. So the uh, work of God, the church is speaking of God's people, not the building. The work of God and, and the work that's before us as his people is done through his Holy Spirit. It's not done in our power. It's not done in our might. And so uh, th this candlestick, which is being spoken of, as he's asking these questions, he doesn't yet even get a full understanding because as we read again in verse 11, he asks that yet further question. But um, notice before we get there, uh, verse number 7. The Bible says, Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Again, he's speaking of that temple of God that is to be rebuilt. And so it is God using the people, Zerubbabel, the people of Israel, uh, to accomplish his work, though despised by some and thought to be small, was yet a big and important thing to God. And so God says, I will use them, and in the building of my church, in the building of the temple, uh, it will become a light to the Gentile nation. It shall uh, accomplish my work, and it shall be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says, who art thou, O great mountain? Somebody says, oh, the work of God seems impossible. But God says, as referenced here in verse 7, 
thou shalt become a plain. God says there is no thing that is ever too big for God. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord for that. There is no mountain that God cannot help us to overcome. There is no thing that is ever too large for God uh, to ever bring us through. And so God says the same, as in this case, was speaking of his work of the temple, uh, we bring ourselves in today, there is no work that is in God's house, in Community Bible Church, that can ever be too large for God to use us, so long as we're yielded to the power of his Holy Spirit through us. Amen? The Bible tells us that the strength of the candlestick comes through the power of his Holy Spirit. Notice the third thing here, the growth of the candlestick, the growth of the candlestick. And speaking of the growth as in the maturity of. In verse number 11, the word of God says, Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees? He says, Wait a second, God. Wait a second, angel. Here you're giving me this vision. You told me what the candlestick is. You told me and helped me to understand the unity among those candlesticks. And yes, your temple is to be rebuilt. But what about those trees? What's the point in those trees? He continues, uh, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlesticks and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, what be those, these two olive branches, which through the gold, two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So as you look into this picture, and really uh, before any explanation, just notice how the trees themselves, and is this exactly what it looked like? I don't know, okay? Uh, this is just just kind of give you some visual, okay? But the, the trees is the idea of you see the golden pipes behind the candlestick that are connected to, and yet is the oil itself that is being brought from those trees into the bowl, and from the bowl it is now uh, uh, allowing it to keep the fire burning, okay? So with that in mind, notice the Bible tells us that it is the olive trees which bring that supply of the oil, uh, the olive trees are said to represent Joshua, the high priest, and Zerubbabel, the prince, uh, being as that the Holy Spirit resided in them, it was to be through them that God would build the temple as a testimony to other nations. So again, we see a personification, a illustration of what these individuals were going to be used by God to do. While mentioning individuals, he's really speaking of the whole entire group in which and who they are leading and so uh the supply of the oil is seeing as these these olive trees god's going to use these individual men to help supply all that is needed to accomplish his work aren't you thankful that anytime you go forward with the work of god god will always provide all that is needed amen god never uh never brings uh his work to a certain point without any, with any lack of supply, God always brings all that is needed. Uh, God always finishes his work. And, and may I say, if God doesn't finish his work through one generation, he will seek to accomplish his work through the next. And so uh, we really see that in this case with the children of Israel. Um, but let's continue. The supply of the oil is seen through these olive trees. Number two, we see the availability of this oil. And it's found within that uh, bowl itself, that bowl on the top of the, uh, of the, the candlestick and, the, and those trees as they are brought together. And uh, understand, it is 
uh, where the, it is the trees which are allowing that oil to, uh, to compile and to build and then to be able to provide that supply for these candlesticks. And so um, as we understand in connection with the availability of that oil, but yet the provision of that oil is brought together by these pipes. And so you say, what does all this mean? Well, uh, the, the, the point of the fact is, in, uh, among the prophets, and in this case, Zechariah, uh, there, is no, there is never anything that is given without a representation uh, being made of it. And this being the vision that is given, these pipes represent the many different ways that the oil is given. The many different ways that God helps to mature, that God helps to grow uh, his people. So we see God's people as the candlestick. We are to be that light. So God brings the right people, the right things in our life to produce and make available the oil. And so then those different pipes being many, they draw the oil into us, giving us all that we need to accomplish the work of God. And so where the provision of this oil, where does it come from? Well, think of the pipes that God brings into our lives to help us to shine for him. The word of God, for example, the preaching of God's word, coming to his house, praying before him. All of these things are God's many different ways in which he allows us to keep burning, in which he allows us to mature, to grow, to progress in our Christian life. And so I bring you back again to the question as we read at the beginning of the passage, who hath despised the day of small things? Can I remind you that God loves to do his work through small things. God loves to accomplish his work through small things. You remember the five loaves and the two fishes? Small things. You remember the possessor of those five loaves and two fishes? A small boy. Who was it that slew a giant and then became uh, the king over Israel? A small boy. Uh, and we could go on and on the many small things that God does uh, through a mighty work. Someone reminded me of the power of the tongue. As described in James chapter 3, the tongue uh, is, is illustrated uh, alongside of the, a bit within the horse's mouth, being able to control the power of a horse or compared to that of the helm of a ship, being able to control the entirety of a helm. So bring that into your shoes. Oftentimes we speak of the tongue in a negative sense, but the tongue is so powerful in a negative way as it is also a powerful thing in a positive way. The candlestick being us, the light that we are to be for Christ, in many ways can help us to shine to others through the simple power of our tongue. As the tongue can, uh, and is described as controlling the entirety of a ship, so when maturing in Christ and growing in Christ, just by your very words, you can accomplish the work of God. You see, there is no thing that is too small for God to do. But yet there are many Christians that despise. They despise the small things. God places the work before them, as in the case of the children of Israel, build the temple, yet they only finish the foundation. And God says, continue my work. Finish the work. Let me work through you. Don't bring yourself in the literal sense. God, I'm not trying to tell you that God's telling us we need to build a new church building. <laughs> I'm telling you that the work of God should always be going forward. There should never be something within God's house, among God's people, that does not need to be done. God's work is always moving. It's always progressing. It should never be that the house of God doesn't need a light bulb that needs fixed. 
It should never be that the house of God does not need something that needs updated. It should never be that the van routes ever say, oh, you know what, why we even need to invite more kids? We got all the kids that we need. It should never be within the house of God that we ever stop thinking of new methods to reach the next generation. And so we consider God's power through us, his desires to build the church, but God being able to do it through the small things. When you understand a small thing, how small and insignificant we are. Amen? Sinful beings as we are. We don't deserve to be used by God. In fact, may I remind you, it's a privilege. <laughs> it's a privilege to be that candlestick. It's a privilege to have those olive trees that God rises up to bring those golden pipes and supply all that we need in our life. That is a privilege by God, but yet so many Christians despise. That's a very strong word. We don't often use in our vocabulary to describe anything. We might say hate, but the truth of the matter is that word despise and hate falls right along the same lines. If you don't desire to finish the work of God or to continue the work of God beyond uh, what you have already accomplished, then you've missed the whole goal. You missed the whole goal. So many churches all across the world have stayed stagnant uh, because of people who have despised the day of small things. They refuse to do anything more than what they've already done. Can I challenge you, church? We should always be thinking forward. We should always be progressing. The purpose is to be that light. The purpose is to shine to that Gentile nation. We should always be thinking, how can we reach the next? What more can we do? There is never anything that should ever cause us to say we've reached all that we need to, we've, we've gone all the place that we need to go. The, um, I, I, I think of the, the very idea if somebody says you get caught into a rut. I think I've shared this with you before. I've heard it illustrate that a rut is simply a, a coffin with two ends knocked out of it. It's just simply a deadness. The Bible tells us if we are truly not despising the day of small things, we're going to be depending upon the very power of God's Holy Spirit filling us, using us, helping us to be the light. We're depending upon Him to bring the supply. We're depending upon Him to rise up the necessary leaders. We're depending upon His Word and the promises that are given as we read it and as we grow within it, that, that it remains the same and that it never changes and that all that He tells us is all that we need. And, and our growth in Christ, again, is so that we would not despise the day of small things, but that we would seek to accomplish God's work. That's every head bowed and every eye closed. Not give an invitation tonight, but just uh, I want to know if I could maybe pray for you. As God has touched my heart about this passage of being brought to it again, maybe he has yours. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Miller, I, I realize the work of God in my mind, has been as the children of Israel, and I've done only so much. I could be doing more. You'd say, I've not done enough. I, 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 I see that I can be doing more. God's spoken to my heart. Could I pray for you? I not even like that here. Could I pray for you? I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Amen. 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 Pray for me also, Pastor Miller. God's spoken to my heart. Lord, I pray for these ones you've spoken to directly. Uh, we, we realize our responsibility to go forward as a light for you. Yes, with the gospel, but ultimately to, with your intent to finish the work that you've laid before us.
Lord, may, may it be said of, uh, of us that uh, we have done our best, that we have been faithful, that we've done all that we can for you. Lord, I pray for these ones specifically tonight you've spoken to directly. Uh, whatever area it may be, may we think of what more that we can do to accomplish your work. I pray for the one or, or the sum that could be here tonight that would find themselves maybe being as the children of Israel and despising and yet looking at the work of God that's before them and, and not seeing the necessary need to go forward. May the power and the working of your Holy Spirit lay upon their heart the need and the necessity to be the light of Christ. Lord, help us to be all that we can be for you. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you